Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, we're back for part two of our discussion about the Ravens defense in week seven. And joining me here again for it is Sarah Elsland. Sarah, how are you doing? I'm good. Very good. Glad to be talking football. <laughs> All right. At SG Ellison on Twitter, make sure you follow her. I uh, want to thank our sponsor again, Liquid Death, the water that will murder your thirst. Let's uh, continue on with our discussion of this game. And we've had some good talks in part one. Uh, we'll talk about the pass rush a little bit uh, coming up in this. And exciting day for the pass rush, just in general, to see them get off the quarter, get after the quarterback in a variety of ways. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, the Jacoby Brissett, he took a season high five sacks. So, um, or, or was that a season high for the Ravens? I'm trying to look at my notes here. I don't know which it's one I was writing. <laughs> okay. Maybe I was writing for the Ravens. I, I was like, wait a minute. Is that, how did I write my note here? <laughs> so yeah, but anyway, five sacks. I mean, we talked about Justin Houston. He was, he was excellent. He was, um, he just seemed like he had an extra spring in his step. Owe got pressure in there. Um, Patrick Queen got one of those sacks. Who am I missing here? Campbell. Campbell, duh. Campbell strikes sack strip. So, uh, yeah. And and even when they didn't get him, I mean, there were times where Jacoby Brissett, I mean, he just was like, you know, escaping, you know, all this pressure in the back. There were a couple of times they had him uh, in their arms and he was somehow was able to to, to escape. But it was very refreshing to see pressure on the quarterback when it just feels like 
Uh, they haven't been to do that for so long. And, and understandably, because they had like two real outside linebackers or normal outside linebackers out there. And so uh, as we discussed in the first part of this, you know, it's looking like it's only going to get better. Yeah, very excited to see how they how they line things up. But Bowser is the big domino. He's like Stanley on the offensive line. And I, I don't want to overstate it because Stanley's more important to getting the offensive line, you know, ready and playing well than Bowser is to, to the defense. But Bowser is that critical Sam linebacker who will take about 70 or 75 percent of the snaps after he ramps up and be taking over a lot of those coverage responsibilities. Most of the other guys they have are either, you know, quality edge setters who can help you in the pass rush like JPP or there are guys who can who are there to get after the pass rusher in one form or another and that might mean coming on the field and playing inside on third down it might mean even standing up and playing offline of scrimmage which they could do some with away if they want to but you know they've they've got guys who basically are all rush linebackers and the whole set of losses they've had has been very devastating in that regard Devon Kennard a guy who played some Sam in this game uh, took some took some uh, burden off Oway. I thought was was a help as well. That'll be nice. It'll be nice to let once Bowser comes back, which again, you know, could be this Thursday. It'll be nice to get Bowser. I mean, Oway back to just being, you know, pin his ears back and just go get the quarterback. Uh, so he doesn't have to worry about all those coverage duties. So um, I think, as you said, you know that that'll really unlock the pass rush once Bowser returns. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm 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 certainly excited about it. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what the what the pass rush was in this game. Uh, let's see, let's get to my numbers overall. People always like to hear the by numbers first. So, let's see, the Ravens rushed three three times in this game, allowed 22 yards, one turnover, 7.3 yards per play. By the way, three, four, five, six, 7.3, 7.0, 7.6, and 1.0 on one play yards per play. So it wasn't a whole lot of difference in yards per play. Is my point. Um, with a four-man pass rush, and this has been exciting, the Ravens generated two sacks. Now, we always talk about the interaction between what the secondary is able to accomplish with the extra man if they have to cover, how they can generate coverage sacks for you, and how a four-man pass rush you know, being effective on its own is a tremendous asset to a football team. But the Ravens have been getting a good percentage of four-man pass rush getting home on the season now. They have. I noticed that a lot. I'm just sticking with that four man. But again, in this game, I felt like, well, you're right. I feel like Houston is particularly was one that, that could do it without any big stunts or anything like that. But I also felt like um, the Ravens had a lot of success when they brought in this game, extra, extra guys. Mm -hmm. um, I can remember the one where um, McDonald brought both uh, Hamilton and Stone at the same time. And that resulted in a sack. And then they brought, he brought Bynes and Queen at the same time. You know, Queen initially gets there, he gets hit by the running back. So then Bynes kind of gets him, but lets him slip through. And then so Queen came back and was able to get him. Um, now on some of those, I'm trying to remember which ones, when they came, Calais and uh, somebody else dropped back. So maybe they weren't, you know, rushing everybody, but having some of those deceptions, I thought um, really, really worked well also. Yeah, I, you're 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 right on the money here. So they had the 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 Bynes Queen one was the, the was ended up being the sack minus five for Queen. What was nice about that? That's a cross blitz. So what happened is uh, Queen came in fr from one uh, in, in one direction, and then Bynes passes over him going across the across the the 
not face of the lineman that he has turned. And so Queen got got actually knocked off by the running back, by Chubb, I think. Might have been Hunt. I thought it was Chubb. And then and then uh uh Bynes got to him, of course, and and you know, again, we have there were some problems tackling in the backfield. It wasn't just tackling yeah, past the line of scrimmage. Amazing escape day for five sacks. I mean, how many times yeah. did 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 Brissett escape in this game? Anyway, that uh, I said, mean, at least two that I can remember that's like seared into my brain, but there could have been more, but there was at least two. Two where it was like they should have had them too. Yeah. Maybe there were others where it's like I can remember the time Roderick Washington got back there, but there was no way he was catching him. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, there were there were several scram- scrambles there on on Brissett's part. So Bynes once, Houston once, where they were really just misses. Even though Houston had two sacks, that's it was a shame to let a third get away. Mm. But uh, yeah, it's it's a uh, interesting. It was a it was an array of stuff. They didn't really try a lot. Many elements of deception. A lot. They only had. Uh, a total of seven blitzes in the entire game. And they basically now are down to using only the inside linebackers on that. They did the one time they blitzed Hamilton. He got a sack, but he was, he was the only other one to do it Uh, in terms of stunts. It's usually only, I think they're being called on field by Campbell because they really trust him about this, but Campbell stunted twice, Matabike once and um, Urban once. And then they only had, you know, simulated pressures where they you talked about this, where they drop people only had one of those the whole game. It was an S minus five, too. I mean, it's it's the kind of thing. Well, shouldn't we see another? But, you know, it's part of the beauty of what McDonald is calling is this a lot of kind of individual. We'll try this once. We'll try this once. And, you know, they're not seeing a pattern. And the next team now will look at film and say, oh, well, don't know exactly what they're going to do. They have a lot of things they can try here. Right. And that's the difference between him and Wink Martindale. Right. Um it's like wink you you knew it was coming like almost half the time mm-hmm. <laughs> uh whereas McDonald picks picks his spots he picks it in in certain moments and i feel like when he does it it usually works because um you know the offense is kind of lulled into a false sense of security that they're not coming you know they're like they're used to the fours coming and so then all of a sudden you know more come and they're they're not quite prepared for it whereas with wink they know they know it's coming half the time, so they're always prepared for it. Yeah, that's uh, I I would agree. And, and Wink's blitz percentage, by the way, is not as high as people think. He used a lot of variation going from three to seven, and and he used some threes in there. But uh, when he played Lamar, he clearly figured Lamar. And I think, unfortunately, he's starting to set a blueprint for this. Uh, they blitz Lamar two thirds of the time. And this is something I'm afraid other teams are figuring out. The Bengals got to Lamar. They gave him a lot of trouble with pressure. Uh, the Browns just gave him trouble with pressure in this game. Obviously, now the Browns have assets that make that a lot easier in their case. So, Ken, what's the difference? What's the difference between those two examples of the Bengals and the Giants versus the Dolphins? Because Lamar seemed to be just fine. Okay, so two things. First of all, they played the Dolphins last year, and they had forty cover zero looks. Okay. And that meant they were Which just not all pressure of, is cover zero, right? Yeah, not all pressure is cover <laughs> right. zero. But they but they brought a whole bunch of cover zero. But the but in the in the rematch with the Dolphins, you know, Roman was prepared. Ron Lamar was prepared. He said, You gotta get the ball out quickly whenever you want. The ball's got to be ready to go to the outside. And so they had a lot of plays um, designed to do exactly that. And those were very effective against the Dolphins in this year's game when they scored 38 points. Uh, with with the uh, with the Dolphins last year, they it would fall right into the same group, obviously, with these other ones this year. But what made that Dolphins pressure ex- 
exceptionally strange is that they dropped guys from the, the middle of the line of scrimmage and they left some of those guys in the middle without dance partners, without sacrificing their man advantage on the outside. So those guys can contribute something. And the, the number I keep going back to is nose tackle Adam Butler of Miami dropped to cover 18 times in that game. So right. anyone who's yeah. listening to the show has probably heard me say that at least two or three times. So Yeah, yeah. Uh, you've heard us talk about liquid death for a few weeks now, but have you started paying attention when you go to your convenience store? Did you notice those strange tall boys of beer, but they're in the bottled water section or they're in a store that doesn't sell alcohol, but it looks like they've got beer? It's because it's not beer. It's mountain spring water from the Alps and it's called liquid death. Why is it called liquid death? Well, because it brutally murders your thirst. It's infinitely recyclable. Tallboy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. Plus, they donate 10% of the profits to every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. And I don't know, for some reason, it seems like the water's always colder in a can rather than a bottle. Plus, you can have some fun with it. I had fun this weekend where I took a couple tall boys of liquid death to coach a little league. You put those right into the uh, dugout with a bunch of eight-year-olds. And you'll get some attention. You got some parents looking. Definitely get some attention. But no, I have to show everyone it's just liquid death. I'm just drinking water in a dugout with a bunch of little league kids. So go get liquid death for yourself. Test it. Try it out. You're going to fall in love with it like I do. So go get liquid death at your local Harris Teeter or 7-Eleven. Or find a liquid death retailer near you with the store locator tool at liquiddeath.com forward slash film study that's liquiddeath.com slash film study all right, all right so well give uh, give lamar give fine start a new lamar blueprint that's fine because he'll he'll figure it out he'll figure it out yeah. it's, it has been the case hasn't it been yeah. that, that you know there's, whatever teams think they can stop the every like there's like a new blueprint every like three times a season <laughs> so all right <clears throat> it's going to be talking about the pass rush and not like not willing to know. It's, it's almost like we're going to be un, uh, opening Christmas presents these next couple of weeks with new players on the field, potentially. Right. When are you expecting a job to make his debut? You know, that's a good question. So he came back. Did did he come back to practice at the same time as Bowser? I'm trying to yep. remember the. OK. Um, and is this technically the third week of that 2020? This, this is the third week. Right. OK. So both of them are going to have to be activated by the end of the 21 if we they have a chance. So, um, I, and I could be wrong. I just I just get the feeling based off of what I'm you know reading from people at practice like Zrebeck and all of that that Bowser sounds like he looks good. Um, so had this been a regular uh, Sunday game, you know, it's like. Yeah, this would be the time for Bowser. So I think both of them would be activated by, I mean, I Ojaba would be activated by what would it be a week from this Wednesday? Cause that's the, the last of the 21 days or something like that. Um, but, but I just don't know how he looks. So he'd be activated, but I just don't, that doesn't mean he's going to play. That's just because they don't want to lose him and put him, you know, on IR or whatever. So it's just to make sure he's on the roster. So I just don't have as good of a sense for Ojabo as I feel like I do for Bowser. So I'm a little bit more uh, cautious in putting out a prediction for that, but it can't be far. Like I, there's just no way that they would return him to practice with Bowser if they felt like if they felt like it was going to be more than an extra week of those 21 days. You know what I mean? Like it would just be a, an odd thing to 
to send him to practice so they didn't think he was around three weeks out. Right. So so they could take the most advantage of it, basically have him sit effectively through the bye week, say. Sure. Yeah. And then and then have him play then. But you're right. I mean, he can he can be a they are allowed to have some some healthy scratches on this team. Mm-hmm. And they've certainly got some cuts to make in terms of players who are there that they don't really need anymore. Um, it, Mike Davis is kind of an interesting I, case. I was literally about because, to say Mike Davis. <laughs> yeah, well, he's 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 provided nothing really so far to date. But right. but he's kind of an interesting case because the Ravens keep losing running backs and getting them back both. But now losing them again in the case of Dobbins and and. I just feel like you can you can find that position again, but the 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 issue with Davis is he was signed week one. Same thing with Drake, so they owe him the full season salary, I believe. Mm. He's not if he's signed week two, then they only have to pay him week to week. So those guys, fantastic, but uh, yeah, but the Ravens are really tight on cap right now, and they have like no flexibility. So I, I hate that this is the case, by the way, every single year. Yeah, uh, but but they just have no flexibility in moving cap around. Yeah. Right? No, I know. All right, let's keep moving on here because we're trying to get this done in a reasonable amount of time here. Individual player discussion. Let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, what uh, You're the guest. Pick a player you really want to talk about and let's do it. Is this different from the top three MVPs? Uh, I've got that at the end of the show. Do you want to do okay. that? Do you want to do that right now? Let's make sure well, we get no, it Well, no, I mean, it just seems like it, it would fit in, but but it doesn't have to be because there's names – there's names we could talk about that were, mm-hmm. were not MVPs. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. What do you want me to do? You want me to do the MVP or just for, for picking people? You want to do MVPs three to one let's, right now? Let's do it. Sure. Let's do MVP. So make sure we so I'll do it. my third, the third first, right? Not number one. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would go third Patrick queen. I think queen could have, uh, could move his way up the list. If, if he could play, if he had played better against, tight ends but he had such an impact in the run game um to just to just pin those guys back and create punting situations and he just as you said coming in backside even to run down uh Nick Chubb and all that kind of stuff I just thought that he was he just felt like he was everywhere it just felt like I could always see him on the screen even if he wasn't the one making the play he was moving around. He was going sideline to sideline. He was cutting through the offensive line. Uh, so he would be my number three. Okay. I think that's a great choice. I have Patrick Queen as my number three as well. So uh, the only thing I'd add to that is I like that Patrick Queen both is they're designing room to run for him, designing opportunity for him. And, you know, one of the guys he really took advantage of in this game was Froholt, the right guard who's, who's there replacing mm-hmm. Wyatt Teller, who's, you know, a Pro Bowl guard. Uh, I think he's been at Pro Bowl. He's, he's an outstanding guard, even if he hasn't been to the Pro Bowl. Um, but anyway, taking advantage of Froholt uh, was something that uh, that that is made easier uh, at times by the fact that the the Browns often uh, pull both a center and guard. It's the weirdest thing because the Ravens, if they pull two players, it's always tackle and center or tackle and guard. It's always got the tackle involved if they pull two. In, in the in the Brown system, they'll pull two guys right out of the middle of the line and move them right or left. And you know, if if their their linemen are agile enough in theory to to move in and fill the gaps appropriately and 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 block flat to to get other players taken care of, a player like Patrick Queen is the guy who can mess that up. So it's nice to see some of those opportunities come out. Uh, the cross splits was was nice. I like to see a plan on one like that. So. Great game for Patrick Queen. 
And why don't we move on to your number two? Okay, number two, I've got I've got Justin Houston. Uh, Justin Houston, I just felt like was extremely impactful on the fewer snaps that he had. So he was about 27%, like I said, of the snaps. And so, but when he was out there, you knew he was out there. He was out there creating sacks. He was out there putting on pressure. Um, he had the, the strip on, on the one sack. So, uh, we talked about him enough, but he would be my number two. Yeah. He's my number one guy, even in only 14 snaps, I thought he did enough to, to be that guy. The the fact the Browns averaged only 2.3 yards per play when he was out there was terrific. Uh, high percentage of pressures on his pass rush snaps. And he also uh, missed a potential third sack. Uh, one one sack was a cleanup sack. That's okay. It was an ATS opportunity yeah. that turned yeah. into a cleanup sack. The other one was a was a strip, though. And the Ravens didn't happen to recover it, but it's still a strip sack. And That's those right. are nice and very valuable. And uh, uh, kind of wish he'd been able to hold on for the third one because it's always nice to get a to get a trifecta. But uh, trick. yeah, out outstanding game and i've got no concerns about where he is injury wise i hope that's warranted i you know but but from his play it looks like he's ready to play again yeah he looks healthy definitely looks healthy uh my I, number I, one i did i'm, I'm sorry I, I that was i was responding to your number two with my number one i uh, my who is oh your sorry one? yeah yeah no go ahead my, my number one is jpp uh that that really? i thought his yes yes okay He's outstanding in this game. Um, you know, there are other plays we haven't talked about here, but but uh, uh, outstanding at standing up against the run game and holding the edge. I thought he was a lot of the reason why the Ravens were able to hold them to what they got uh, against the run. He created some pressure on his own. I had him for, oh, let's see here, two and a half pressures, one pass defensed uh, among those. So those were big plays. Didn't He didn't turn in a sack. It's true. But he did so many positive things and took on so many pulling players in this game. Uh, he's number one. It is. It, it, I would completely understand if if you had him at a different spot or not even on the list at all. But I really loved what he did in this game. Well, no, I mean, you know, I like I like that because um, I also felt like he had a good game. Uh, maybe maybe it's because he didn't have some of those splash plays that were just like these game changing plays that that was there. So maybe that's why I didn't see it as much. But I respect that pick to just be like you know to get one of those grinders. And, and you know it's kind of funny in retrospect. Not that Justin Houston would feel this way, but maybe the kind of minorish growing injury for Justin Houston was kind of this blessing in disguise because it sure seemed like Eric DeCosta and the Ravens were digging their heels in on like signing any of the other outside linebackers waiting, you know, for these other guys to come back and JPP, he's just been so phenomenal. He's been so phenomenal that, um, it just, it does, it, it's helped out. It helped out Houston yesterday. And, uh, like you said, setting the edge and, and who's what else to do down the stretch, but that veteran leadership. And he's just, a, he's just like a dog. He's just a dog. And I just have visions of him come playoff time you know, making these veteran savvy moves that could just be a game changer. So I'm, I'm happy that the, that the Ravens have them. So um, my number one was Clayus Campbell. I felt like um, there were a couple of plays that I felt like um, he could have had back, especially with Chubb. I felt like there's a couple, maybe he could have brought them down, even though they weren't easy. Um, but it just felt like Clayus, um, 
in the middle of that defensive line, he was the, he was the best in there. And then, uh, that, um, strict strip sack that he got that was recovered, um, set up, um, Gus Edwards fourth and one touchdown. So, um, I don't know that the Ravens would have won the game without that strip sack because it just felt like the offense wasn't moving. It just wasn't moving like it has, especially the first three weeks. And so um, with how close that game was to be able to give the offense the ball at the 20 yard line and just have to go 20 yards was massively game changing. And then on top of that, you know, impact play, I felt like Calais was just, a strong dude in there all the time against this, this run game. So he was my number one. Okay. I, th- I think that's a very valid pick. Uh, there, I think he probably helped a little bit less up against the run game in this particular game. Normally I see him make more of those impact plays where he penetrates into the backfield. I just described more of that to JPP in this game. And by the way, I, I think I might've misspoken. JPP was my number two guy. Houston is my number one guy. Oh, okay. That makes yeah. more sense. <clears throat> yeah. All right. So still both plays great. And and by the way, no, no shade on the Campbell pick either. Uh, uh, let's talk about a couple other players. If we got time here. Uh, what, one player I thought, you know, really nice to see him have a big game with some contributory plays was, was Hamilton uh, coming in off mm-hmm. the edge uh, to, to make the sack was, was really nice. And he had another big play too. And it wasn't a pressure. It was a shovel. It was a shovel, shovel pass. pass right, yeah. Yeah. Talk about yeah, it. That was good. Oh yeah, no, that was good. He he looked like he was there for the handoff. I don't know if it was to Hunt or Chubb, but it looked like he was right there for it. But then he realized the Brissette still had it, and then he shovel passed it to uh to oh I don't even remember who that was, but with his long body, his long body, he was just able to lay out and and get. I can't remember who the receiver was on that shovel pass, but he was able to just dive out and like. Yeah, I mean that just lets you know the athleticism and that big long body. It's just like once he, once things click for him. I'm trying to think of another player where it just like it took a minute for everything to click and then it just unlocked everything. That's just the way I see Hamilton. It's just like there's just uber talent there. Everything else just needs to click. But that was a great diagnosis on his part. You know, even even Ray Lewis, there was some of that. Uh, he was coming off the field as a rookie in 1996. I, I, you know, you're maybe too young to really be aware at the at the time. I don't know. I wasn't but, following the. I mean, I wasn't too young, but I wasn't fall. I was still in Colorado. You know, growing up a Denver Broncos fan at that time. There you <laughs> so. go, big big Elway girl. There you were. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, well, Fair somebody enough. who I would just one last person to talk about, and this wasn't. I, you know, he was okay, but Geno Stone. I just felt like um. The Ravens miss Marcus Williams. I I feel like Judo Stone, he kind of bit on that early. It was the second series for, for Cleveland. Uh, he bit. It looked like it was going to be, I think, you know, a skinny post inside. And then they went back out. He bit on that. And so that was one big play that ended up leading to a field goal. So it didn't lead to a touchdown. And then the other one... Um, where That's Marcus so Peters got bit. I didn't feel like Peters had a great game either. I mean, it, uh, yeah, I just didn't feel like he had a great game. Um, but whatever, Peters Peters is still unbelievable. Uh, but on one where Peters got beat, and I can't remember if it was to Cooper or Peoples. I'm going to forget his whole name. Um, Peoples-Jones. Peoples-Jones, that's what it is. Uh, but I felt like Stone got there a bit late. I think somebody like Williams 
you know, I could have seen him either get there on time to like, you know, hit it. So the, so the bar, the ball gets jarred loose, or maybe he would have had a chance at the interception. So, but, but Geno Stone, I mean, I'm trying to remember, he did get in there on that sack with Hamilton. He definitely helped in that. Uh, he had huge, he had a huge hit against Nick Chubb, which I was like, dang, Geno Stone, he kind of bounced off of Beckett a little bit, but then went right back at, at, at him. So it's not like he had a terrible game, but to me, he just stood out to the point where I was like, ah, I miss, I miss Marcus Williams. I, I am going to take the other side of that. All right. Okay. Normally I don't, I try not to contradict the guest and whatnot. Oh, I don't mind. I, I like a little debate. Absolutely loved what Geno Stone brought to the table in this game. Okay. Uh, so a couple things, but the play on the right sideline where the big pass was given up over Peters, where Stone was kind of late to the bracket, whatever. Um, he's single high in that case. And the weakness of single high is outside the numbers. You really can't get there without completely gambling like a soccer goalie. What was worse about that, that that ball was out like within 1.3 seconds or something. I mean, it, it was, it was a ball out quick from, from, um, Brissette. Brissette. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. And, and it, and it was just lofted right down there. I mean, there, there's, as an artillery shell, it just can't be reached there. He's got some limitations in terms of speed. I don't think that was a speed limitation. I don't think that Marcus Williams would have been there, but, but I'll tell you what, I, I've been going on other people's shows and telling them how great Geno Stone is playing right now. And that he's a player that, that, you know, you might not even miss Marcus Williams as much. So I, I, I just, what? I'm, I'm really, <laughs> I am really loving what he's bringing. The safety I, room is very deep. I will get on the same page if he starts getting me some interceptions. That's that's what Fair it's going to take. Well, I mean, because the last play part of, the of game. interceptions is anticipation. So you're right. Like he may have needed to gamble because you're right. It was single safety high. And so he's coming from the middle of the field. It's not like he's coming from one of the hash marks. So, mm -hmm. um, so, so, so I get that, but it's just seems like it's like, it's like Marcus Peters where you're anticipating stuff so that you're there that half a step early. Um, but like I said, I mean, I didn't think he had a terrible game, but to me it was just like, ah, you know, I don't know. I wonder if Marcus Williams would have anticipated that. Not to belabor this, but you also didn't mention the last play of the game where he got to the receiver, oh, forced the fumble, yes, and then picked right. it up. Totally. Totally right. I, so, I mean, it would have been over anyway, but totally. He came in because if that, because even if that wasn't with triple zeros on the clock, when he comes in with a mm -hmm. Marlon Humphrey punch there, um, you know, that's that's massive. You're right. I think I I think I overlooked that a little bit because it happened with zero seconds on the clock and it would have been over anyway. But uh, good on you to bring that up preventing any form of laterals for starting because as soon as that fumble occurs then nobody else can advance the play ball except for the guy who who fumbled it and that's never going to happen because you never get off him uh right. so it, it effectively would have ended the game immediately the the, the, the forced fumble so uh, great that he recovered it too just just cool to see him get it uh let's see one more player we got time for here right uh, yeah. a, a guy I thought was a little bit disappointing on the inside, Travis Jones. I thought he got moved around a little bit by double teams. It was nice to see him get a pressure early in this game. Uh, but otherwise, I didn't see much out of him in this game. And he had such a big game against the Giants. I was really hoping out to, to see more from him. But um, the guy who's going to be the only nose tackle for the Ravens the rest of the season, unless they go out and get help, uh, has got has to give us a little more than what he's given so far. Or than what he gave in this game. I mean, am I crazy for saying, you know, why not give Marcus or Brandon Williams a little call? No? Uh, Just for some run think, support? Run Brandon, support? Brandon Williams at a million, do you think he'd do it? Because that's all they got to pay is a vet minimum salary. Well, why not? He's sitting on his couch at home. 
I, you know, some of these guys who are bigger, they might get smaller as soon as they retire. So that's a, that's a problem. You know, Marshall Yonda and whatnot. And, yeah. and so he might have shed weight already. Or the other possibility, he might have gained a bunch of weight. The staying in shape part or staying exactly in, in that thin line. You know, is a I guess line. I, I just don't know Brennan Williams enough. Like there's some guys where it's like Jimmy Smith, you know, if the Ravens called, he's like, I'm unretiring and I'm right there. I just don't know Brennan Williams well enough. I mean, he loves his family. He's he, maybe he's completely happy in retirement. I don't know, um, but but the Brennan Williams from last year, if he was still around, I think they would help this Ravens defense in the run game. Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. Yeah. All right, Sarah, such a pleasure to have you on and talk football with you. We don't get to do this nearly as often anymore. It's it's a shame, but uh, but hopefully we've got you on at least once more this season. I think for offense. Uh, I think it's defense, and I think it's the last game against Cincinnati. It could be very important. Could be the the season on the line. It's the way things are looking now. I absolutely agree. Worried worried about the Bengals more than any other team in the division by far? Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, I say this all the time. I mean, the Steelers are like zombies because they always come back from the dead. So I never Mm -hmm. feel comfortable about ruling them out. But you're feeling pretty comfortable, you know, with them at two and five and you know, not, not looking like anything's too much is going right for them. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, they're both four and three. Here's the, here's the thing is the Bengals, they're trying to win just like Ravens in this little groove, but it kind of feels like their offense is starting to reach their potential again. Whereas the Ravens, yeah, they won against the Browns, but I, there's the Ravens still, it's not like they're like, Oh, now the Ravens offense or the Ravens are starting. No, what the Ravens won this game in a similar fashion, to the way the giants beat the Ravens, which mm-hmm. is that the Ravens just waited. It didn't make any crazy plays. Didn't make any crazy risks, anything like that. I guess they did still go on fourth down a couple of times and they actually converted. Um, but, but they weren't, they didn't, they didn't have a ton of mistakes this time. And so that's what the Giants did. They played mistake-free football, and they just waited for the Ravens to shoot themselves in the foot, and the Ravens obliged. And then this time around, the Ravens didn't shoot themselves in the foot, and they just waited for the Browns to brown, and they obliged. <laughs> so um, so while you know it's nice to see them pick up the win, I think it'll help psychologically, all that type of thing, to, to know that, that you're never out of it. You always finish. Don't ever give up. Believe in each other. I think that's all good. But you don't have a sense like you do with the the Bengals that it's like, oh, yeah, things are starting to click. I just don't have that sense yet. Yeah. Okay. Well, I would agree with you. I think they're they're pretty clearly the uh, the class of the division. And and uh, the Brown, everybody suffered some significant isu- injuries. The the Bengals might be in the best shape um, of of the four teams right now. So that, two years that's in again. A row. Yeah, two years in a row. That really pisses me off. So uh, yeah. Anyway, it is what it is. Sarah, thanks so much for coming on. Tell folks again where they can find you online and and watch your new show. Listen to your new show. Yeah. And watch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, we've only done one video form of it, but yeah, at SG Ellison on Twitter, Raven Ball. All right. Uh, okay, you're done. I, I you froze up there for a second. Sorry about oh, that. Oh, okay. <laughs> other 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 folks out there, if you'd like to do a film study short, uh, that'd be great. Hit me up with a DM on Twitter. We're always looking for people to like and subscribe. If you're if you're on the podcast, a review is what's really useful to us. Uh, please uh, feel free. Uh, 
Uh, if you want to do something nice for the show, I'm not, I'm not asking people for money on Patreon, at least not yet. So I'd love to have uh, some nice reviews <laughs> out there. Yet. That would be, uh, you never know. But, uh, but anyway, not, not, not as we, uh, not as we sit right now, Sarah, thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me, Ken. It was fun as always. And we'll talk to you next time on film study. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.